Hey everybody, welcome back. In today's episode of Raising Unicorns, we show you the nitty gritty details behind creating hooks for video ads that people will actually watch. Growing up, I was told unicorns weren't real. Well, you know what else isn't real? Jennifer Gardner's perfect ageless face. But that doesn't stop us from wanting the exact same thing for ourselves. So on Raising Unicorns, we talk about the strategies and tactics we use to help grow companies from hundreds of thousands of dollars to hundreds of millions of dollars and even a few unicorns along the way. All right, everybody, welcome back. I am Shane Rickard, CEO of Harm Brothers, and we have Tom Broshinsky, our lead ad buyer. So today we're talking about intros. We're going to talk a little bit about why they are so, 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 so important. And so I'm going to throw that over to you, Tom. Like from an ad buyer, why are intros so absolutely important and critical to what we do at Harm Brothers? They are all part of the pattern interrupt. People on Facebook, Instagram, or really any platform where video, you know, is predominantly the creative that they're seeing, you need a method to interrupt their pattern of usage to get them to engage with your content and get to the website or perform an action. And having battle-tested intros, hooks, whatever you want to call them, is key to refining that content and dialing it in and making it work to the best that you can and try to have success for the client. Yeah, it's very interesting how the intro has evolved over time. Almost all the platforms we work on, people can self-select out, like can either skip or just continue scrolling, right? We, I, we do a little bit of connected TV work. Yeah. Uh, which which does have to have a good intro just to capture people's attention. But I would say 95 plus percent of our work is on platforms where people can self-select out of content. And so we really have to work on earning their attention. Like Tom, you were saying, like, you know, really interrupt their pattern with something interesting. And so we put a lot of emphasis and a lot of work into intros in general with like our production design and what we do in those intros or what we talk about in those intros and what we spend time and energy on. And then how many we create for testing for like our campaigns. It's been probably one of the biggest focuses on optimization around like the pieces of the content that we optimize like the intro is probably the biggest thing that we change or manipulate and i would say it probably has the biggest impact wouldn't you say tom oh yeah it definitely has a huge impact on what we do Let's talk about a couple of the intros. I have a couple of examples that we've done throughout the years that had huge impacts. Tom, incidentally, one of them is Camp Chef, which you're familiar with because you <laughs> at the time- Just a little. Well, yeah, Tom at the time wasn't actually working at Harm Brothers. He was working at one of our clients as their lead ad buyer at Camp Chef. We did a campaign for them for the Woodwind Grill. It's kind of like a smoker, like a Traeger with additional, some really cool features, additional features that are pretty differentiated from something like a Traeger. And so I remember when we did that video, we did a couple of different intro tests and some of them were food shots where it's just like a, a series of really like amazing juicy ribs and steak being cut into. I remember there was one that just got straight into the product. If I remember correctly, I think it was the one where the grill god... Oh, he shot straight up out of the grill, right? Pops out of the grill, which for us at Camp Chef was so much of what got people to engage with our content were food shots. We had internal videographer and photographers who had really dialed in their skills with really good food photography, getting shots of making anyone want bacon because you're watching this bacon sizzle and crackle and it just looks so amazing. So we had kind of anticipated that the highly stylized and really professional food photography was going to be what's going to get people. And if I remember correctly, it wasn't. Yeah. So the original intro of the video, what was planned out to be, it was like this guy fantasizing about 
about all the amazing food he was going to make for his neighbors, ribs being pulled apart and like super tender, juicy stuff, burgers being flipped and steaks being cut into. And then like we pulled out of his mind's eye, went highly in anticipation, went to go open up the grill. And it was like these super like disgusting, overly cooked, burnt patties. And then all of a sudden like this electricity and smoke shoots out of it. He freaks out and like yelps and screams and jumps back. And then the grill god pops out of the grill. And I believe there was one other intro that we tested in addition to that that was like kind of more in the middle of the video. But we tested the three intros and I think that third one did really bad. That's why I'm not even remembering it. But that, yeah, I think you're right, Tom, that the food intro is what we anticipated doing well because I remember talking to your team about that of being like, food's got to be the core of it. That's why people buy Camp Chef products is because they want great food. Because it was this like tiny grill and this guy that was dressed, it was like this this really charming like guy down from Texas. He was from, uh, I think he was from Dallas and like he like, was dressed in this amazing grill god, toga, Greek pantheon. I think he's like, I'm the grill god, just like jumping up out of the grill. It was a crazy intro that did what you spoke to. Tom was like, it really interrupted the pattern. It was kind of like one of those things you looked at and you're like, what the freak am I looking at? Like, why is this Greek god popping out of this grill? Like, it was such an odd thing to see. But it had a really high engagement rate, if I remember right, and really high view through rate. It was great to see. And if anything, I was doing the ad buying for Camp Chef at that time and had been doing a, a bunch of different testing and variety of things. And it was so interesting. We hadn't gone to that level of testing until working with Harmon Brothers. So to see it from the from the client perspective, the iteration, the testing process, the willingness to delve into the numbers and to see how this intro, while still performed well, but this one, like the engagement rate was better. It kept people on the hook for a longer period of time because having uh, that keyed in intro also meant people engaged with the content for a longer period of time. So when there was a call to action, people were there long enough to get that call to action. You know, there's other video content that's great. It's highly engaging, but after about three to five seconds, you bounce. With Facebook and Instagram, if you keep people there for 10, 15, 18, 20 seconds, it makes a huge difference. 20 seconds is an eternity in Facebook world. Yeah, so one of the interesting stats that we had learned from Facebook, one of their, they had kind of a, I don't know, it was like a creative workshop that Facebook had hosted with agencies. And one of the stats that they'd seen is that people's decision-making skills on whether they want to watch something or it's, whether it's relevant content, like that time to make that decision has gotten crazy fast. So it used to be like, a, I think it was like around like six tenths of a second, you know, even a few years ago when they did a similar survey, but now it's dropped under half a second and it's just around four tenths of a second, which means if you're filming uh, you know, a video and you're filming at 24 frames a second, which is like a standard frame rate, you have 12 frames to capture people's attention before they decide whether that content is relevant or not. So at first, like, you know, they say two to three seconds. I even think at the first 12 frames, is it interesting enough to be like, I want to watch this? And if it's not, like, that's something we look at as like, this has got to be improved. Because the thing about intros is it's the gateway to the rest of the video, right? If you have an amazing video, like after the first 10%, and it's 90% of it is engaging, it's very compelling. It has persuasive sales language. It has really good demonstration. It's really getting people convinced to buy it. But if they never get past that, that gatekeeper, that first like 10 seconds, or even th like three or five seconds in this case, like when we're talking about like really the first few seconds of decision making. So all that great work that you've done on the last 90% of your video, if they don't get past that first little 10%, like it, all of it's wasted essentially. And you can even think your video is crap and garbage because you're not having good like watch throughs on it and you're not having good performance in your ad account. But that doesn't mean the rest of your video is bad. It might just mean that your intro isn't as strong as it needs to be to get into the meat of the persuasion and the meat of the actual ad. 
Yeah. Do you want to add anything on that? Or are you good at like moving on to the next one? Sorry. 100% agree. Let's keep it going. We chatted a little bit before this podcast. We talked a little bit about intros that made a huge difference. And the one that we came to both our minds when we were talking about this was Kizik, which is, if you guys don't know what Kizik is, it's a really innovative shoe that has a spring back technology in the heel. So basically you step into the shoe and crush the heel and then it pops back up, like just like snaps right back up. So it's basically intended to be a slip on shoe, but the heel comes up and like stays very secure. It's really easy to slip on and off. Anyway, so we had done a hero campaign for them and Tom was lucky enough because the client was really, really cool and really wanted to launch the campaign in the right way and gave him a lot of runway and a lot of time to basically really nail down the intro. We had lots of different variations. So Tom, do you want to kind of speak to that testing experience and like kind of the testing differential and performance that you saw? It was a lot of fun to be able to work with Kizik and I'm really glad that they kind of gave us the reins and the opportunity to be able to do that. But when we did that, the creative director at the time had initially provided three intros, you know, some feedback with Kizik. We ended up delivering, I think, like six more intros. So we had tested and put money behind between nine different intros, spent a good chunk of money dialing that in and going through a testing and an iterative process. And why we do that is we want to interrupt the pattern, but we also want to test those intros to see what intro not only gets people to engage, but what intro gets people to get into the path to purchase. Because there's going to be two different kinds of people. There's going to be people who engage with the content, who find it interesting, and there's going to be people who go through, see the content, and make an action to go to the website. And with Kizik, when we went through that testing process, there's a bunch of them, and there's some really kind of quirky things that they did of someone like, you see this, you know, pair of feet kind of slide in from off screen, and they slide right into the shoes, and there's this little kind of animated pop sound that Shane talked about. There's a bunch of other things, but the one that was kind of the most interesting and makes me think of a kind of 90s, like sliding down the banister and and the talent, like he slid down the banister and then hops right into these shoes. And it's interesting, but in my mind, I'm like, is it really the most engaging? Is it really going to get people to click and engage? And through our testing, it was, and it was by a long shot. In fact, for that particular client, you know, as Shane mentioned, as we talked about just a little bit ago, that to get people to watch video content on Facebook and Instagram for 12, 15, 18 seconds doesn't sound like a long time, but on Facebook and Instagram, it's kind of an eternity. With that video, we were getting people to engage with the content on average for like 25 seconds plus. And the fall off, the waterfall of people diving off after watching the content didn't have, like there wasn't a huge fall off. So people not only made it into the content, but also continued to engage with it for a little bit of time afterwards. It made a huge difference. We started out that client spending a few thousand dollars a day to get up to the point where we were spending a lot of money, a lot of money and scaling that campaign and really helping them make it a success. One question I'll back up real quick. Do you remember like what the differential was with like the worst took to the best took was in terms of performance of like whether it's average watch through or click through? Because I know you tested a lot of different elements in that testing series. The, the range went from like on the high end for top performing. It was crazy. It was like 25 seconds to the worst performer was like 12 seconds, which ordinarily for other clients, like 12 seconds is really good. But for that particular client, there's that huge delta in in that data. But we also ran some add to cart campaigns and that add to cart campaign, like it was sometimes a difference of a $2 add to cart for a high performing content versus a $10 add to cart, which for some clients that's still really solid. But for these guys, like we had these huge disparities in the data where, and it was very clear to look at the data and say, 
we have some dialed in really high performing content we need to lean into this heavily and we did yeah and i think that just emphasizes like even that like you know 12 to 25 seconds like that's a big difference like that like testing those types of things are really really critical and having the right intro at the forefront of your campaign is really really important i'm gonna veer just for a little bit tom because like one thing i remember going back to the camp chef commercial i do remember that like we had after the launch we had provided a few more intros and we did like a a quicker variation of the food shots like we had a four or five second intro where the original one we had was like closer to like seven to ten if i remember right for the food kind of montage and i remember after a period of time that that the original grill god one kind of lost its novelty and lost its like edge uh, in terms of like engagement and started to dip down and so if i remember right you might have to correct me on this tom but i remember you started swapping in and raising the spend level on the one for the shorter food montage that we had given you because i think this emphasizes kind of a pattern we're seeing of like ad fatigue is is like a huge thing like people are just bombarded with content if they see the same content over and over again they're gonna just instantly dismiss it even faster and i would even say it like goes to the risk of dismissing like an entire brand if they feel like their content is too repetitive and not varied enough you have like the risk of oh these guys are serving me the same stuff too much and so i think like having in your pocket or having in your like game plan for going and making creative content of having lots of different intro variations and trying to have varied backgrounds and varied styles of like what you're showing i think it's like a really wise strategy to have at this point because that's like the thing you can change the easiest to swap out that intro to have a massive uptick in performance the first kind of like couple of seconds varied a lot so people see a a quite a large diversity of the visuals at first to kind of get your hooks in as many people as possible right and so it doesn't get too fatigued really quickly yeah you know going back to kizik like one of the things that we did so we had tested all those intros and we had a really really top tier high performing piece of content but we also had eight other intros that you know we're cranking it like when we launched that campaign we didn't launch with just a single piece of content we launched with three different pieces of content so we had tested into this high performing content but we continued that testing from day one once we launched the content because we had all of this content that we could go out the door with so as we started to see things performing better or things starting to decline in their performance we could swap it out and and still keep a high level of performance so that we could continue to scale and you know, that's something that was as true with Camp Chef and the things that were done with them. Yeah. I, and I think if anything, it's gotten more pressing to have more and more content. I, you know, as we're looking through like the clients that we work with, the more intros we give them, the more latitude and flexibility that the ad buyers, whether it's Tom or if we're working with an internal ad buyer, like the more assets they have in their arsenal to alternate through, the better chance they're going to have of having like those pieces of content perform well. I think that's just something we've put a lot more emphasis in in recent years and like trying to have lots of different variety in the bag so you can deploy them as needed or in tandem or in concert with each other. So that's a big one that I would definitely say if anyone's out there like thinking of building their own campaign, definitely put some effort into multiple intros, varied locations, varied backgrounds, and even varied messages embedded within those intros as well. What's the craziest intro you've ever seen and why do you think it was so good? I think one of the best ones I've seen that still sticks to me to this day that I saw, I don't know how many years 
years ago, Dollar Shave Club, where like he jumps through the paper, almost like it's shot in like one continual deal. And it's just like he always ups the ante, almost like every three to five seconds, it feels like us, the kind of pacing of it. I hadn't seen any other videos other than maybe like the Kmart videos that came out and like sometimes in the 2000s, like I just shipped my bed. I just shipped my pants. Like those were good. Those were quirky and they're fun. But like this one was so novel. It was so interesting. Like that dude really just do that for an ad? He did. Is he riding on a forklift? Yes, he is. And it just keeps going and keeps going. So that hook, that intro was so stellar. Violation of so many OSHA guidelines in that. What OSHA doesn't know. Well, I would say what OSHA doesn't know won't hurt him, but I'm sure plenty of OSHA people saw that ad. But yeah, definitely that one. Yeah. And I, I think like to toot our own horn, like I think that there's lots of ones that I've seen that are really, really good. Like Dollar Shave Club is amazing. I think the Old Spice ones, even though those weren't even meant for digital originally, those were TV spots, but like the man your man could be were so good. Like, like, look at me, look at your man back at me. Like all those ones where like the background is changing at an incredible rate and it's all practical was so interesting, like visually compelling. You just couldn't look away. You were just like, what is this? It was so offbeat. That was a huge one that wasn't like one of ours. I think we have a decent place in the annals of uh, the internet history with like Squatty Potty and obviously just opening up with the unicorn pooping ice cream under the ice cream cone. That one was really, really solid. My personal favorite of Harmon Brothers, at least, that we've done was the redneck flipping a car off a cliff. Oh, yeah. Fiber fix. That one like got into it so fast. Just a really quick question. You know, what happens when you throw a car off a cliff with a roll cage made of duct tape? And then, bam, we cut to that like cliffside with a car going off the cliff. That's like, that's about as hooky as you can get. That one like is as hooky as you can get without doing a bait and switch because it's definitely centered around the product still, but it was definitely like, what the crap am I watching? It was like, let's go make the most wild hook humanly possible. And funny enough, that was actually the first video I worked at uh, Harmon Brothers is with doing that intro. And so I actually got to be the camera operator on one of those uh, cameras down at the bottom of the base of the hill, which is super fun. There's so many good ones. I think that what makes it so good is like what you said, Tom, of like it hooks you in and gives you like a question or like with Dollar Shave Club, it's like, what's Dollar Shave Club? It's like, we give you razors for a dollar. Yeah, a dollar. Well, are they any good? Yeah, they're freaking awesome. And he walks through, the, you know, bursts through the door. The whole thing gets you into the product really quickly or kind of an itch to scratch with a question and it like just gets really into it where it's very engaging all the way through and it's like a breakneck pace. It doesn't let up. I think that's what like, a lot makes like, an intro really, really good is it's very quick into the, the meat and potatoes of the ad and then doesn't let up from there. It's just like pedal to the metal. It's, this is an interesting one because back in the day, like in 2018 and like 2016, 2017, 2018, that was like the name of the game is going very big and very, very crazy. Like just off the wall, like bonkers of like do something and no one's ever seen. That was like the name of the game. But now I think that there's a lot of ads that we've seen be like really, really successful that haven't necessarily been like crazy. I would say, Tom, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. I would say now like ads don't have to be crazy. You don't have to flip a car off a cliff. But if you can and like you're the client's cool with it, you should totally do it. I highly recommend it. But they don't have to be like these crazy, insane things to be successful. So Tom, you've probably done the most like volume of ad buying at our agency. Can you speak to a couple of instances of really successful intros that weren't necessarily like insane or crazy? One of the ones that as you're talking about that comes to mind was a finance product, Banyan Hill. Great product, great piece of content, really interesting, really entertaining. But when I worked on that comparing to something like Murphy Ladder with the Ladder Luchador, which I love and is probably still one of my most favorite pieces of content that we did. But with Banyan Hill, I, I mean, we're talking about a finance product, an info product, something that's a text notification, like how exciting can a text notification be? I mean, it wasn't like super exciting. Someone, you know, jumping through some paper, rolling something off a hill, but we tested that intro and we were able to 
you know, through testing and continuing to iterate on that piece of creative, I mean, we were able to have that video creative last for some time and spend a substantial amount of money behind it. But that's one that it wasn't like super crazy, but it was something that was interesting and engaging. Do you want to describe the intro for the audience, Tom, just so they have context of what you're talking about? In that one in particular, there were a couple of different intros. There's one where he's like starting in a bathtub, another one where he's doing some miniature golf in an office, things that are interesting and a little bit out of the ordinary, but not so crazy that you're like, did I just see what I think I saw? Like it was just interesting enough to get people hooked and engaged and it worked. I think about some of the ads that we ran for Lumi that are just really straightforward. When I look at creative, I think there has to be two ways. Like these things have to be really, really engaging to where they're like, what the freak am I watching? This is nuts. This is bonkers. Or they have to be like, you better tell me super fast why I should watch this and if it's relevant to me really, really quickly or else I'm bouncing out of here. So a lot of them, it's like they get right to the point, right? Like I remember we did a couple of really simple labs videos um, that are just like learning ad blitz videos. It was testing out essentially, will this approach to advertising or will this messaging work? And so it was very, very simple. It's like very simple text, user testimonials, and like a brief introduction. It's like Lumi is like the all natural deodorant for any part of the body, especially for stinky teens. You know what I mean? It was basically all these reviews that were talking about stinky teens. And it was a very, very simple ad that one of our creative directors, Johnny, cut together. It was like honestly something he cut together with a college intern in like, it was like a, a couple of days, right? But that single ad, because it got to the point of the product so early, it was like, oh, boom, it's a natural deodorant right off the bat, qualifying to the audience like, are you someone who cares about natural deodorant and doesn't want aluminum or uh, these other chemicals that you don't want in your deodorant? Okay, great, you are. Oh, by the way, it also works for anywhere on the body. Oh, oh, by the way, on top of that, do you have any stinky teenagers? Perfect, this is your product, this is your ad. And so it got right into the meat of what the product is and who the audience is and what qualifies the audience really, really well up front. And because it qualified the audience really well, that single ad that just took a couple of days to make, Lumi spent a tremendous tremendous amount of money with a really, really solid return on that ad, put lots and lots of revenue in the doors. A good intro can just be qualifying your audience properly in a simple way. So that's kind of the two ways that I think about intros. It can need to be like a really, really big spectacle. It's like, whoa, what the freak am I looking at? I want to watch this. Or you just get right to the heart of it and qualifying your audience and telling them why they should pay attention to this and what the product does and if it's relevant to them. Well, and from an ad buying perspective, I would say that if you can qualify and segment that audience out more quickly, sometimes that can do better than, like you said, than the big spectacle, because from an ad buying perspective, you can spend less time on the front end focusing on, I need to dial in on this audience or this audience or that audience or segment it this way. The creative does it for itself. And that's something that I've seen over the years, both from the client perspective, but also now in the on the agency side with Harmon Brothers Creative, is that it does such a good job at allowing people to self-select whether they want to engage with the content or not. So as an ad buyer, I spend more time on dialing in and testing and refining the content and spend less time. And with privacy updates, we've talked about on this podcast before, like uh, Britt, our other ad buyer, myself, we've talked about it. You spend less time dialing in, targeting and things like that, and more about what can I do to make this the best creative possible for ad buying. Doing those kinds of things helps out so much. 
So I think that one of the biggest things, like I said earlier, is are you getting to the heart of the product in the intro? Because a lot of times we've done campaigns in the past that haven't done as well. When we have a big overarching idea, for instance, we did a campaign for Vivint Home Security or Vivint Smart Home, where we had like, you know, robots have been replacing human jobs forever. And we had like three kind of goofy, zany like examples where it's like windshield wipers. And it's like these two dudes on the top of a Model T Ford with like squeegees, you know, and then like it switches over and it's an actual windshield wiper. And then we did another one where it was like a scale. And it's a it's this big old like a dude like goes into a doctor's office and steps on top of this nurse. And she's like 215 pounds ish, you know? And then the last one was a toilet seat warmer where it was like a dude that was sitting on the toilet and stands up and he's like, it's all ready for you, Brian. And he's like, thank you, sir. And like, and he sits down on the toilet seat already warm, super gross. Like it's a really funny idea and in intro, but like it was more like introducing the idea of like a smart home and on a broad sense about how we were like replacing other things with more like contemporary technologies that make your life easier. But at the same time, like it took forever to even introduce the idea of Vivint. And ultimately like the optimizations that we went through kind of eliminated that whole upfront thing just because it took too long and it was kind of lost in metaphor land. So that's like one thing I would say is don't spend too much time in like a metaphor when you're creating your intros. It like needs to be very quick to get to the idea of the product. And like if you do spend time in an intro, it better be really, really hooky and really, really engaging. But I think it runs a risk there for sure. The other thing I could say is if you can integrate the problem that the product solves into the hook, that's a really, really good hook. So like, for instance, when we did purple, the mattress test, you know, like it's a litmus test of like how good can like your mattress cradle an egg and support all this weight or cradle like a pressure point and support all this weight. And the, the egg test like shows that with the plate glass, like falling onto the mattress with an egg glued to the bottom. And so that was like instantly demonstrating like, wow, that was an impressive feat of how well this cradled the egg and it didn't break it, but yet it supported this 330 pound plate of glass following like 48 inches. And so that was a really good one because it got you into the door, it showed you the strength of the product and then showed how all these other products immediately following failed that test. It really emphasized the problem with others while showing the solution of the purple mattress itself and its strengths of the purple mattress. I think another thing that like is really, really big with intros is just, I, I think I said this earlier, like making sure that you're not lost in analogy land and you're, this kind of go, bleeds into the whole concept of making sure that you don't have to explain it a bunch. So you, people should be able to watch this really quickly and understand how it relates back to the product. And it shouldn't be like a heavy mental lift because anytime we've done like a really heavy mental lift in terms of like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, I kind of see how that's an analogy for this and how it's a proxy for that. It just kills the ad. People don't want to like think through stuff. It's got to be very straightforward and very upfront. It can be clever. It shouldn't make them be like, oh yeah, if I think about it in that context with that analogy, that makes sense. That's what I would say is like kind of our guidelines, at least from the creative side. In terms of like, how do we come up with hook ideas? I think coming back to what's your core concept and like, how can you do it in a way that surprises people and takes people off guard? I think a lot of it is trying to understand how you can create an intro that gets into the product really, really quickly is a huge one and naturally transitions into it. Because the worst thing you want to do, in my opinion, is do a bait and switch. You don't want to do something that's like, look at this crazy thing. Anyway, so hair dryers, like that has something completely unrelated. That's a kind of disingenuous advertising in my mind. You want to avoid clickbait? Yeah, it's very clickbaity. It's a bait and switch, right? That's a huge thing we put a lot of energy into is coming up with ideas that feel surprising but fitting to the product. I just say like a big thing is what is a demonstration of the core value of the product that I can show right out the gate? That was a big thing with FiberFix, right? How can we show back to back? We did a roll cage with duct tape, it fell apart. And then instantly we go into a roll cage made with FiberFix, stayed together. It's, you know, a hundred times stronger than duct tape. Same thing with purple. It's like, let's show purple. Boom, eggs don't drop. Let's show other mattresses. They break every single time. 
time, right? So if you can get the actual core value of the product is at the heart and soul of that ad, your intro is going to perform and the easier it's going to be for you to naturally transition and talking into the core value props of your product. So Tom, let me ask you this question. How many intros should you test? We get this question a lot. Like, is there a certain number you should do? How should you go about prioritizing that in your production budget, right? So what would you say to that, Tom? Because I have an answer. I'm curious to know if we're on the same page. I better, because that's your kind of my boss. <laughs> <laughs> this is a test, Tom. If you don't answer the same, dun, dun, dun. you're fired. No, just kidding. <laughs> oh, crap. No, um, I think the big thing at minimum, I want to see at least three intros. That's the ideal because it gives Facebook. I mean, Facebook is the giant engine, and the more fuel you give it, the better. So, you know, at minimum, I really like to see three because then I can try to have like a good, better, best. Yeah, I would say that's a minimum for sure. The way we've been trying to approach it, Harm Brothers probably the last like year to 18 months. Very minimum three, but I try and push for five. And recently what we've been trying to do is kind of prep clients for having like an ongoing potential budget for just testing out new intros altogether, whether that's cutting stuff from later on in the ad, cutting stuff from other ads or shooting even new material to cut. Because if you can alternate the intros, like I said earlier, the more you can alternate what Tom just said, the more fuel you can give the engine of Facebook and the more fresh intro content you have, you can revitalize that that content and give it new life even when you thought it was dead. So I would say three to five is like minimum and then uh, have an ongoing budget or plan with your client uh, or your marketing team to have a continuous stream of new intros that could be attached onto that current creative. Your ad buyer will be, or agency, whomever you work with, will be infinitely more happy with you in providing at least like three to five. And if there's a way, like Shane was just talking about, of having a plan to continue building creative as you go go along, your ad buyer will be so happy with you. Well, I think it does two things. It makes their jobs easier because they don't have to work nearly as much to like make the same content perform better. It just gets really hard. It's kind of coming up a brick wall and banging their head against it. But also it just makes it so your investment into that content, it just takes a little bit more like ongoing investment to juice it for all it's possibly worth. And you just get better performance on an ongoing basis for sure. But this is partly out of my purview in terms of my job and experience like as a creative director, but I would love to know like high level walk our audience through how you would test them and how you determine for our clients when you have a winner. The way I look at testing for all of our clients is that when I look at the creative and by the time it gets delivered to me, I try to watch the creative probably a half a dozen to a dozen times to make sure that I've got a good scope and a good idea of what the offer is, what we're trying to push. But the big thing is I'm trying to consider what is going to be the path of the user to get to purchase. So when I set up my testing methodology, that is what I have in consideration is that as people see this content, what's going to be their next step to click? Once they click, what's going to be their next point from there to get to the website? Once they get to the website, what's the next step beyond that? Hopefully an add to cart, initiate checkout, and then eventually a purchase. So when I go like high level looking at my testing and I'm refining this content, I want to make sure that my end goal is getting the best piece of content that gets people to either purchase or start that path to purchase. Because sometimes in your testing, if you don't have a twenty-five dollars or $35,000 budget for testing and your purchases can be, let's say, expensive, you're not going to want to dump a pile of money into a purchase campaign and get 10 purchases. You're going to optimize for like an add to cart, initiate checkout, something like that. That's kind of the first thing is that I'm looking at, I'm looking at the path that the user takes to get to the point where they do purchase. But with that, I take that creative that Shane and the creative team delivers. I'm like, okay, what's the first thing 
thing people typically see. It's going to be the ad copy. So I start out testing the ad copy, headline, body copy, seeing what is going to pair well with this video. Then the next step is I'm taking screenshots from the video and trying to get a variety of whether it's the talent looking at the camera, something goofy going on. In fact, we have one client where uh, one of the guys at Harm Brothers in the shot, he looks like he's getting hit in the crotch. So I have a thumbnail of him getting hit just because he's making this really goofy face and it's really interesting. But then also like product specific shots to kind of test because I'm trying to get a refined piece of content because a lot of people don't have autoplay turned on. So they're seeing the ad copy, they're seeing the thumbnail, then we get to the intro and we're testing intros and I'm looking for KPIs, key performance indicators. I'm looking at view through, I'm looking at average watch percentage, the cost per through play. That's the cost to get people to watch the video for 15 seconds or more. But also I'm looking at other KPIs like add to cart, cost per add to cart. When I'm really identifying a key piece of creative, I'm looking at how well people engage with it, the cost it is to get people to engage with that content. And then secondarily, are people starting the path to purchase? And if they are, that's the creative that I move forward with. To summarize that a little bit, Tom, wouldn't you say like, depending on the testing budget and depending on how much the product costs and like what the average cost for conversion is, you get the furthest down the funnel in terms of like the KPI possible within that budget you think you can achieve with statistical significance as like, that's your kind of guiding star for which intro you should go with. Is that fair to say? Right on. And so that's a huge part of our process. And we've seen that like testing that intros makes a massive difference and it should be an ongoing basis thing. Like I said earlier, not just a one-time deal. It should be an ongoing effort to optimize and utilize the content you've already shot. So I can't emphasize this enough. Intros are your best friend. Put a lot of energy into your intros for your campaigns. And if you do, you'll see the first and easiest place to see a massive amount of improvement on your performance and being able to scale your ad campaigns more than you would otherwise. Amen. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tom. Appreciate it. Uh, and thank you for listening, guys. We really appreciate your listenership. So until next time, farewell. Tired of playing catch up on your marketing approach? Plan your whole year of ad content with our video strategy in a day. The Harmon Brothers are known for their ad work with Lumi, Purple, and Skull Shaver. And now we're offering a 20 minute video that helps you strategize your best profit pushing ad research, messaging, and testing for free. Because a win for great businesses is a win for all of us. Go to harmanbrothers.com forward slash video strategy to save future you a lot of stress with no pitch and nothing to buy.